Hallelujah. Father, I ask you, Lord, to just open up your word this morning. Father, may it fall on ears that are perked up and ready to hear from you, Jesus. May it fall on ground that is ready for the planting, for the growth, and that you, Father, could have the harvest. Oh, God, turn us back to you, our affections and our zeal, Father, and everything that we are, Lord. We call you Lord. Make that clear to us, Father, what Lord really, really means, that you would be our God, and we, Father, would be your people. Have your way this morning, Lord. I praise you and I thank you, Father, for this day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Perhaps you can sense it's a bit of a more serious note this morning, amen. I don't know that this will be like, you know, most of the pastors, they say, I don't know if it'll be one of them shouting messages, but it will be a message. I have to really contain myself on this particular message because I have a, a, a passion so uh, uh, if I get a bit passionate, I'm not being mean, I'm being passionate. I have a great passion, f- especially for this message today. And, so, and I have a, 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 a righteous anger about it also. And so I really have to worship him and I really have to come into a, a place, a, a different place. Amen. Amen. Because uh, it means a lot to me. And I believe it means a lot to the Lord. And, and, and all of these kind of meld together. Uh, a living epistle was to set the tone uh, for this message. Amen. Uh, who are you really uh, was beginning to lay the foundation of it. Your benefits were for your sake. Amen. And uh, we come to the part now. Saved for what? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why? I mean, you know, you know, why, Lord, you know, why do you want me to get saved? Why am I saved? Have you, I mean, have you ever really, be honest, have you ever really sat down and contemplated that question? I'm talking about from the oldest person in here to the youngest person in here. If you have ever dealt and you said, Lord, I give you my life, I accept you, I believe you died on the cross for me, and I accept your grace, I accept this new life, I know that I don't have to do anything to earn it except ha- have faith in you and believe you, and that's all I have to do, and you will save me. Did you ever wonder why? why it's so important to God. Why was it so important that he would send his son, that he would actually deal with the separation to the point where, where his son would have to come in, in a human body and, and, and live as we live. Have you ever thought about that? Why are you saved? Why? You know, uh, did God just save you, you know, you know, to go to heaven? Okay, I mean, is that the only reason why he saved you, so you can go to heaven? Even though we can. Amen. And we will. I say we can because I see all this grace teaching that's going around. I love the grace teaching. But I, 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 listen, when he talk about he can erase your name out of the book, I have a question about that grace teaching. Okay, I mean, I'm just throwing that out. Y'all can meditate on that one. Look it up. Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, was it so you could go to heaven? The only reason why? Was it so he could, you know, have all of you to himself? God just wanted you all to himself. He wanted a family, yes. But was it so he could have you all to himself and nobody else? Was it so you could feel good about yourself? Why? Why? I'm a why person. I've always been a why person. You know, mom says, come inside. Why? Don't do that. Why? <laughs> you shouldn't be there. Why? 
Okay. I've always the curiosity in me and wanting to know, you know, and, and, and it wasn't so much rebellion. I just wanted to know why, you know, it, it kind of gives me, you know, a, 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 I think maybe a choice to say whether I want to or not. Okay. Whether it's that important to me or not, but I always wanted to know why. Amen. And so I think that we, we come and we, and we accept Christ and you have to understand it is completely, completely, completely by faith. It is not by works. You don't have to do anything but to confess him as your personal savior. So I, I, it is not based on anything else but his wonderful, tremendous blood, his grace, his mercy, his love towards us. We talked about that. Who are you really? That he are grafted in. You are part of the family of God. That he loves you like that. He loved you enough to send his son so that he can redeem you to himself because he wanted you to be a part of his family and so he sent his son to be the first sacrifice and the last sacrifice for you the complete sacrifice for you complete the first and the last complete sacrifice for you and you're grafted into the family of God so now you can call him Abba Father and then there came benefits with that whenever you come into a family you have the benefit of that family and the greatest benefits of all comes in God's family so we have benefits being in his family and then it comes down to the fact that he says now I've saved you but do you ever wonder why you ever wonder why? I want you to go with me to Ephesians 2.10. Amen? Now, I have two versions of it. I loved this particular one. Ooh, ooh. And I love this one, too. But I, was, uh, uh, I did a lot of reading on this because this is kind of a big thing for me. And so I really, really didn't want to come in uh, um, with my own feelings attached to it. I really wanted to come uh, into it um, from God's perspective. Amen? Ephesians 2.10. Now, I want you guys to track with me this morning, and I bind the enemy from distracting you in any way. My teens, I think this is a foundation for you, my young people. My young people, I see, I'm going I'm to I'm track with you all this morning because I want you looking at me because when you look around and, and everything, it, you get distracted. But this is a key point for you as a young person because you have an opportunity when you're young to get some things that some of us haven't even gotten, in, and we're in our 50s and 60s and still act like children. Okay, so this is something that you can get and you can grasp hold to and you can be a mighty force in this world. You can obtain things that your parents never could. Amen. And if you're a parent, you always want your child to do better than you did. Always. You want them. That's part of the problem we have today. Uh Uh-huh. Because we didn't teach them how to get it the way they should. Oh, God. But I ain't going to get on that one. Hallelujah. I told you. I have to stay with this. And stay, keep me focused, Lord. <laughs> My God. Okay. Woo. Hallelujah. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk, that we should walk in them. Sorry, let me go back for that. Ooh, Jesus. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned ahead of time for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. Oh God, living the good life, which he has prearranged and made ready for us to live. This is your predestination stuff that they all like to talk about, okay? And then they don't like to talk about it because it can be confusing. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the International Standard Version. I love this version. For we are his masterpiece, created in the Messiah Jesus, to perform good works 
that God prepared long ago to be our way of life. To be our way of life. This answers the question, why was I saved? Yes, it was to be in his family. Yes, it was so that you could have benefits. Yes, it was. Yes, it was for your life to be a living epistle. Yes, it was. But listen to me. You are saved for a purpose. And the purpose is not just to sit and suck the air out of the atmosphere and do nothing. Come on. Come on. And we're going to go there this morning because, see, uh, most Christians, the majority of Christians, when they get saved, that's all they do is, is, is get saved, okay? And, and, and the rest of their life is still turmoil, it's still trouble. They cry all the time, they whine a lot, nothing ever goes right for them. They never get past their dysfunction. They never get past it. They stay in that one place, they stay babies, and the church becomes a big nursery, and they come in and the church has to nurse them every Sunday, has to change their diaper, you know, has to wash their face, give them a bottle, you know, get them all ready. Now you can make it through the week, and then, then they don't do anything through the week. They don't read their Bible, they don't do anything during the week, and they come back next Sunday whining and crying again like a baby is squalling for food, and then we have to change and we have to wipe their nose. We have to put clean clothes on them. We have to wash them up. We got to get them all ready and hope that they can make it through another week. This is what we do. This is what we do. Because we never get past the fact, oh, I'm saved. I'm saved. And, and, and I promise you, if you go around and you talk to different people, you say, well, what, saved for what? They'll do just like a lot of us did this morning. And I did the first time I thought about it was like, I'm saved. But that was it. That was it. And, and I tell you, if I'd have walked around here this morning and asked you before I got up here to preach, I promise you I'd have got some of the same thing. You ought to stumbled all over that. All over that. Come on. But the fact of the matter is, is that God set teachers in the church and he set preachers in the church so that we would begin to mature and we would begin to understand his word. Not only will we understand his benefits, not only will we understand who we are, but we would understand why we are. Why? Why, God? Why? It is unto good works. It is unto good works. Now listen to me. You are his masterpiece, his workmanship. He created you with talents and gifts. This means the whole connotation of that verse right there says that he took time when he created you. He took time. He just didn't slap you together and kick you into the world. He knew who you were. He created you. See, we think I'm a product of my mother and my father. You are a product of God. Your spirit came from him. Your body came from your mom and dad, which he created first. But that's where you get your form from. But your spirit comes from him. So he carefully and meticulously crafted you. See, if you don't understand that, and if you don't begin to see that about yourself, you'll go through your life with low self-esteem, because life will do that to you. If you do not understand that, the enemy understands that if he can come in while you're young, and he can tell you who you're not, and he can plant that seed in you so that it takes root and it grows. I love it, because Bishop was teaching on the sycamine tree, and it's because the deeps, the roots go twice as down, twice as far as the tree goes up. Oh, God, hardest tree to get pulled up. 
Come on, so he tries to get you rooted and grounded in negative feelings. He tries to get you rooted and grounded and not feeling good about yourself. But the word of God says that you are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece, which means every gift that's in you, he gave to you for a purpose. You have purpose. You're not just here to be here. You ever go in in museums and, and, and... I said, I have to drive this point home because we deal with such low self-esteem. It just blows my mind. All right. Don't get me wrong. I fight it too. Okay. You make mistakes. The accuser or the brethren, the first thing he does is tell you who you're not. And then he reminds you of it at the most inopportune times. Like when I'm getting ready to sit down and study. Well, you know you was this. And you know you did that. And you know you were over there. And you know you saw that, 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 that. Shut up. Okay. Shut up. I, sometimes I'll just shut up. <coughs> I don't want to hear it. Shut up. I've been in the store walking, pushing the grocery cart. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. And then they walk up and they go, ooh, hallelujah. Okay. But what they don't understand is I'm quieting that thing that tries to tell me who I'm not. And I'm focusing myself back on who God said I am. And you look at these beautiful paintings and, and they're in museums and they're worth millions of dollars. Masterpieces, they call them. Millions of dollars. Do you not understand that that's who you are? That's who you are? That he took the time to every hair on your head he knew about. The color of your eyes. The shape of your body. All of that he knew. Your skin, he knew. He knew. And he loved you. He said, oh, I love, I love this masterpiece. I love this masterpiece. Well, stand back. Holy Spirit, Jesus, look at this masterpiece. Look at them. Look at our creation. Okay, well, let, let's put this gift in. Let's let this one, let's let this one sing. Well, let's, let's give this one the gift of administration. Let's this, 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 one, oh, this one will be perfect for the gift of mercy. Oh, this one will be great for, this one will be great for preaching. Oh, this one, the perfect love mother. This, all of her life, she'll be a mother. She, beautiful mother, beautiful, set apart. Well, no, this one, this one's going to excel. She'll be an administrator. He'll, he'll be a president. He set gifts in you when he took the time to make you his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. When you start to realize that at a young age, you don't let people identify who you are. You don't let them name you. You don't let them do that to you. And the younger you learn this, my young people, the younger you learn this, the better off you'll be the better off you be because anytime, excuse me, but my father used to call me a whore. He used to call me a bitch. Come on. That's what my dad called me. He said I'd never be any good. I was worthless. I'd never have nothing. What's wrong with you? He beat me unmercifully, tried to rape my stepsister. I had to pull a gun on him and go hide with her to keep her safe. Come on, listen to me. And so I begin to identify with things that were said to me and how I was treated and what they said. I identified with that. And it took me years of my life because nobody talked to me about this stuff. Nobody talked to me about coming out of it. And I carried the names that they put on me all of my life until I got a hold to renewing my mind, until I got a hold of who I am in Christ. See, we don't want to talk about these things in church. 
we don't want to go to that place. Oh, she said that. Listen to me. It's out there. It's a real world. It's dealt with every day, and y'all deal with it more than anybody. What people want to call you, what they want to mark you, how they want to name you. But God said, you're his masterpiece. You're worth something to him. You're not worthless. And when you created, when he recreated you in Christ Jesus, he created you for a purpose. Even in your fallen state, he created you for a purpose. Then he calls you and he begins to woo you and he begins to call you in and call you in and show you his love. And then he recreates who you are and he takes the gifts and he purifies them. Oh God, my God, my God. So you are his workmanship, his masterpiece. He gave you talents and gifts. And as you are recreated in Christ, so are your gifts and talents. And they are to the glory of God. They're to the glory of God. My God. Now let's talk about this predestined you to walk in. Yes, there is predestination. Yes, there are good works that are set for you. Yes, there are. Have you ever, if you've been in the word for a while and you had somebody come and prophesy over you and, and you're sitting there going, yeah, right, okay, <laughs> hallelujah, you know, and, and, and so I was taught to take it and put it on a shelf. I cannot tell you how many times, I, I'm telling you, I was sitting in the back of the church uh, because I got tired of them telling me stuff and I'd slide down in the seat and they could see this about this much in my head. They say, yeah, you down, you back there with the slid all the way down in the seat. Yeah, you, you, okay? And they would call me out and they would begin to speak the gifts that God had given me. And I was so broken and and has such low self-esteem, I never thought I could do it. Although in my heart, inside, my spirit would jump, and, 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 but I would crush it back down because I was so beat up by the devil and the world, it would have been done to me that I wouldn't receive it the way God wanted me to receive it, to tell me who I was. Amen? And they would tell me, they said, you're going to preach. You're going to, you know, you're going to be a leader. You're going to speak. They would tell me all these things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, but my heart would be saying yes, but my soul would be saying, girl, you ain't going to never do nothing. You know what your daddy told you is the truth. You ain't never, please, okay, please. You just sit on back and, and shut up. Come on. But see, that's what the enemy will try to tell you. But what the God was trying to tell me was, I have predestined you. I have a plan for your life. I have plans laid out for you to walk in. I have, this is a way of life for you. And all you have to do is turn your attention to me and I will show you how to walk this thing out. But you have got to get out of the place where you do not think you're my masterpiece, where you do not think that I didn't create you for more than just to be abused. And so he had all this laid out for me, but I had a choice. Listen to me. You have a choice. You ha he gave you free will because he did not want robots for people. Come on. He didn't want robots for his family. I don't want anybody talking about they love me that I have to tell you. You need to tell me you love me. You need to be there for me. That I have to beat you up to make you, you know, want to be around me, make you stay. I'll kill you if you leave. Why, why, why would you want love like that? So you have a choice. He gave you free will. As a matter of fact, he gave you so much free will that it, I told my daughter, she called me, she asked me, she says, well, mom, I'm talking with a friend. She hates Christianity. She hates Christian. She hates God. And I, and I, I think I'm going to end up getting into it. I said, honey, I said, you don't have to fight her. Just love her. But I, if it comes, I would tell her. Now, you, this is hateful as you say Christians are by your statements. I said, but the thing of it is, is that God loves you enough to let you go to hell if you want to. So if you want to be separated from him, he'll let you go to hell. Yeah. 
That's how much he loves you. That's how much he respects your decision, your right to choose. That's how much God loves you and respects your right to choose, that he won't force himself on you. He won't force himself on you. He won't make you do anything. Now, he'll let you go down to the very lowest that you can go to get you to look up now, but he won't make you do it. And so you have a choice as to whether I'm going to accept this. I had a choice as to say, Lord, I give myself away. What is your plan? I give you my dreams. I give you my plans. That's not always easy. That's not always easy, especially if you've been hurt and you have a tendency to be a control freak once you've been hurt, okay? They'll never hurt me again. Hurt my feelings. Well, they hurt Jesus' feelings. Hello. He had feelings. I have to control my, control everything. It has to be my terms, how I want it, when I want it, how I want it. And I had to give that up. And that was scary because I was wounded. And I knew that once I gave up control, I would be wounded again. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it was coming. And see, once you understand that, and you realize that you're always in his hands, and that he that began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, he's faithful to take it all the way, then you have to start developing your trust in him so that you can say yes. See, a lot of times we don't say yes Because here's how we feel. It's my life. And I can do what I want to do with it. And you can't tell me nothing. I'm grown. Oh, I said it many times. I'm I'm grown. You can't tell me what to do. I'm grown. But all of your life, you will be subject to some law. (laughs) You are subject to the law of gravity. So gravity tells you, don't jump off that mountain. Don't jump off that roof. But you grown. The red light tells you, you better stop. You better stop. Uh, but you can say, I'm grown. I could do what I want and run that light. And somebody run your tail over. You can do it if you want to. Okay? But you are subject to something all of your life. I don't care how grown you are. Okay? And that was my favorite statement. Oh, I, I'm grown. Do what I want to do. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. And you remember back in the day, they all I have to do is be black, pay taxes, and die. <laughs> have to. Bad. You got to do that. Come on. And we have a tendency to tell God that I'm grown. I don't want to go to church today. I don't have to do what I want to do. I'm going to stay home today just because I don't want to. This is a big part of the church and those that are called Christians. Another excuse. They hurt my feelings. They treat me good. I'm never going back to church again. And you set yourself up for the devil to lie to you, manipulate you, and use you. You can be saved And he will lie to you, he will use you, 
and he will manipulate you and he will use you to keep other Christians out because when there's a good church that you go to and you know it's a good church and you know you should be there, the number one thing that he will do is he will distract you and take your mind away from where you should be and keep you out. First of all, because he doesn't want you to receive. Second of all, it's because he doesn't want you to get in and get settled and get rooted and grounded and have good works. My God, say to somebody, say to somebody here, I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You ought to have that written somewhere in your house, okay, where you can see it and you can begin to say that to yourself. Oh, my God. So he has, yes, predestined it. Yes, you have free will. You can say no or you can say yes. I chose to say yes. That wasn't an easy decision. I chose to say yes because I had to give up some things to say yes to what God had for me, for what he had predestined for me. Now, if it's predestined for you, that's like telling your kids, we are going to go to Disneyland next month on the 21st, and we are going to go, and we are going to spend the night, and we are going to have a wonderful time at Disneyland. We are going to have that day. Then you are going to walk in that blessing. You start looking forward to walking in that blessing. Do you not? I mean, you're you're excited. Okay. So why would we not get that excited about what God has predestined for us. Why are we not excited about that? Why are we not excited? Now, this is my, I'm going to my pet peeve now. Why are we not excited that when you come into a body of people that God tells you, and you know that this is your church home, you know this is where you belong, and you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you're beginning to understand who you are, and he places you in a house, and he says, now I want you to do good works. Okay? Now, mind you, the church is not the only place you should do good works. Your good works should be a way of life. Okay? Should be a way of life. Any place that we find that we can do a good work, we need to be doing that. Amen? And you have to have a balance there because people can use you up and spit you out. And you have to have a balance there because Jesus had a balance. Okay? What I mean? He told them, folks, you can just go on about your way. Fine. All right? So there's a balance there. But you are designed for good works. That's why it feels so good when you do good. That's why it feels good when you let somebody get in front of you at the grocery store. That's why it does. You know, you feel good when you pick up a piece of trash off the ground. You put it in the trash. You feel good about yourself. You know why? Because you're built for good works. That's why you feel good about it. Every time you do something good, when you bless your husband or your wife, that's really a beautiful place for you to learn good works. That's a place for you to hone in your skills is doing good works for either your husband or your wife. We should be always seeking a way to do something good for our husband or our wife. That's a good training ground. Good training ground. Because you see, you do a good work not expecting something back. You do it because it's who you are. Not to get paid. Not to get recognition. Because listen to me, your good works are to the glory of God, not to your glory. Not to your glory. Had to switch gears on you for a minute here. It is to his glory, not to your glory. As a matter of fact, the word of God tells us that men will see your good works. Oh God and magnify God. Oh, my goodness. That, that they, they will see a marked change in your life. And one of the marked changes in your life is when you mature to the place in Jesus Christ where you begin to function in good works. You, I mean, you could have been when you were not in him and you were uh, 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 dead in your trespasses and sins and you just acted a fool. You stole from people. You cussed folks out. You didn't want to do nothing. You used people up and spit them out and went on about your way. Didn't think twice about it. And then you begin to make that shift and you begin to care about people. You begin to do for people. You begin to love people. You begin to love yourself and you begin 
begin to love God and you begin to move in his practices and people see a marked change in you. And that is one of the ways that they know that you are truly saved. Do people know that you are truly saved? Do they really know? Okay, or every chance you get, are you cussing somebody out? You come in here and have the halo on your head and you walk out the door and your mouth is worse than a sailor's mouth. Your life is just full of hell. And you're the number one hellion in it. Come on. Come on. Uh, Is there a marked difference in your life? Have you matured at all? Have you cast off some things? I remember before my, my father cussed every other word. Okay, so when you're in that atmosphere, you pick up the language. So consequently, I did. And then when I got, I mean, when I really got saved, not when I went to church with my grandmother, you know, but when I took responsibility, when I got saved, okay, I thought, oh, why I said that word? Man, that doesn't feel good anymore. I don't like that way that makes me feel. It felt icky to me. I felt, ugh. Certain things that I did were just like, you know, and I had to go through a process of peeling those things off, casting them off. In other words, if your right hand offends, you cut it off. Well, I was offensive in some areas and I had to cut that stuff off spiritually. And then I had to begin to move and walk as my father has ordained me to walk. And that is to do good works. And so then you start looking for places to make that shift and to make that change and to do good works. And so now God puts you in a body. You thought I forgot, but I didn't. Now God puts you in a body. He hooks you up with people. And we come in. And this one part of us is so doggone selfish. And self-centered. And that is all wrapped around the enemy. Because he'll tell you, you first. And this world is so inundated with it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me, I'm entitled. You're not entitled to nothing. But to work. Find what your hands can find and work. You are not entitled for somebody to hand you a check every month. That's grace. You are not entitled for somebody to pat you on the back and you didn't do a good job. We have a whole entitlement society now. Don't want to work for nothing. Well, I just should. You know, this whole self-esteem movement. I had a problem with it when my kids were in school and we did this whole self-esteem thing. And, and, and this one kid just scribbled this piece of paper and just threw it up there being nasty. And she said, oh, baby, that's just so best. No, it's not. He didn't care about what he was doing. You tell him the truth. He didn't care about you, what you were doing. You need to care about what you were doing. Man up here. You want to sit down, do the work right, care about what you're doing. If you want a compliment from me, care about what you're doing. Because my thing will be, you can do it. It's in you. You have it. Just do it. But I'm not going to run behind you and compliment you all day. And you've done nothing. Come on now. And this is the, the attitude that we have in the church. You should be happy. I'm here. I come to get me a work. Well, what did you come to give? What did you come to give? Did you come to give a praise? Or do we have to stand up here and entertain you? We have, we have to pull the praise out of you. You know, oh, I didn't like that song. Well, you know what? I went to churches. I didn't, I'm so eclectic. I learned how to praise God with the, with, the, with the monks that sing the beautiful songs. I've learned how to praise them, you know, with the rock music. I've learned how to praise them with the gospel music. I've learned how to praise them with the old country music. I've learned how to praise them in every atmosphere. Let me tell I will find me a praise. Now, find me one in there. 
because I come with a praise on my heart. I come to join together with the brothers and the sisters in the body. I've come to lift up that one next to me. I've come with a word. I've come with my heart open to God. I've come ready to give comfort. I've come ready to say you can do it. It was encouragement. Whether you're an encourager or not, you can be encouraging to somebody. You need to come with something in your heart other than poor me. Oh, I'm just having such a horrible time. Come and comfort me. But they didn't comfort me today. They didn't comfort me today. They didn't speak to me today. They didn't give me today. When do you become the comforter? When do your good works shine? Why is it that in a church only a small percentage of people do all the work? Why? Why is it that I'm a little tired today so I don't think I'll come? What happened to having the tenacity and the girth within yourself to stand up and say, devil, you'll not steal my destiny from me. I'm going to be in my place. I'm going to move in what God told me to move in. I will be present and I will be fully there and I'm going to give my all, not just barely enough to get me by. I just want to slide into heaven. I want to walk into heaven with my head held high saying, God, I did everything I knew how to do. I heard your word. I did what you told me to do to the best of my ability. I want to walk in with that kind of an attitude. I don't want to walk and slide me. Well, Matt, well, you know, well, Lord, maybe, maybe you'll take me. Maybe, I, you know, I just barely did enough. Sure you'll go. Sure you will. Because it's not by works, but you're saved unto good works. And the wonderful thing about it is there is a reward attached to it. He didn't tell you to do it just because. He said, I got a reward attached to it. Not only do you get an immediate reward in yourself when you do right and you do good, but you have a reward laid up for you in heaven. Whoa. Whoa. So why is it that on a Sunday morning, even in a church this size, there's not enough ushers? Why is it on a Sunday morning well, I can't go up and teach because I need the word. How long have you been saved? 30 years, but I need the word. I had a hard week. Seriously? Commitment is the greatest gift you could ever give to your family. Commitment. When a father is committed to his family, he will do everything he can to make sure there's food on the table to make sure that his children receive love, to make sure that he is leading them. Commitment, commitment, being committed. I'm committed to you. Committed means I'm not going to cheat on you. I'm not going to steal from you. I'm not going to just constantly take from you. I'm committed. Why can we be committed to everything else in life except God? I, I go into a state of confusion about that. I'm like, okay, I, can, I, just, I, 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 don't, I don't get it, God. I don't get it. If you gave us a place to hone in our good works, if you gave us a place to encourage one another, if we're truly a family, then you love everybody. I love everybody in my family. have not seen my sister since my mother died, but I love my sister. And if she needed me and she called me, I would be there. I would be there. Pray for her. I love her. Don't get to see her. She doesn't want to see me, but I love her. So there'll be people in your church family that make you angry, that get on your nerves. You have to deal with that. But you come to a place of maturity where you begin to love anyway. Anyway. 
anyway. We have got to mature. We are in the last days. We have got to begin to dig in to the word and begin to ask God, what do you have for me to do? Because he already knows you just don't. Come on. That's it. Okay, you have off a pablum. You get on some meat. I like meat. I like meat teaching. Y'all get some meat. I hope it don't choke you. But you get some meat today. Find something. I know I've told this story before, but I'm telling you, I had such low self-esteem. I was so beaten up in my home and in my life. And I came to church and I was on drugs. And the girl that was cleaning the church had left. And the pastor said, we need somebody to clean the church. And I raised my hand and I said, I'll do it. And he knew where I was and he trusted me with the keys. And I want to tell you, when that pastor hit that church on Wednesday for Bible study and Sunday for church, it was clean. I didn't just clean it. I cleaned. All right. I cleaned classrooms. I cleaned toilets. I scrubbed on my hands and knees. I didn't care. Pee on the floor. I get down and scrubbed it as best I knew how to do it. Wiped it up. Went, washed my hands and went on about my... I cleaned. I didn't know what my gift was. So I found something for my hands to do. Because I, I truly loved God and I just wanted to do something for God. I just wanted to do something for him. Because in all the hell that I was living in, and the hurt, and the pain that I was going through, I knew he loved me. I finally had got that in my prayer. He loved me. And so I just wanted to give him something back. And so I didn't feel I had much, but I knew how to clean. I was good at it. My kids would come with me and help out, and we would clean the church. And from that, I moved into music ministry. Terrified to be in front of all the people. I'd make a mistake and run in the bathroom and cry like a baby. I'd run in the bathroom and close the stall and bury my head in my hands. And I would just cry because I made a mistake. I was so embarrassed. I made a mistake in front of everybody, you know. And I'll never forget when the ladies came in. She said, honey, she said, God didn't fall off the throne because you made a mistake. She said, you just get on back up and keep on moving forward. She said, you keep on. She said, the people are forgiving. She said, and God loves you. He says, he knows you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. He knows you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. He knows. But I tell you what, I learned. I learned. And I grew. And I listened. And I honed in my ear to God and I began to study his word and I began to seek his face and I began to ask him questions. What do you want me to do, God? What do you have for me? Where am I supposed to be at? What am I supposed to do? I feel like this is home for me. I feel like I'm supposed to submit myself here. So I did. Now, what do you have for me, Lord? And each time, not boom, 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 boom. But as time went on and as I matured and as I grew, he began to open doors for me. He began to show me places I needed to be. I was in the nursery. I worked in the nursery, changing babies' diapers and loving on them babies. I, 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 I moved up to working with the juniors. Best thing I ever did was work with the kids, man. They will help you learn. They will hone in your skills for you. Loved it. They're forgiving. They're sweet. They really are. They'll help you. Taught with the kids. 
you know, moved into preaching small conferences and doing things like that, God just slowly began to open doors for my good works to manifest in my life. But I kept trying. I kept, okay, if I can find that, I'll do that. If I can do this, I'll do that. You have to begin to start testing the waters. You have to begin to say, Lord, what do you have for me to do? And when you do it, you better be ready to commit to it because people depend on you when you do say you're going to do it. They depend on you. Are you dependable? Are you available? Because, see, God can't use what's not, what's not available. He's not going to make you do anything. So if you're available, then that means you're available for use. Good works. I'm available. You can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. It used to be one of my favorite songs. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. So you become available. You become committed. And you be use the church as a place for your good works. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not the only place. God may have called you out into the world. He may have called you in different areas of your life to work. In your workplace, you ought to be known for your good works. In the places that you go, the classes that you take, you ought to be known for your good works. And everybody thinks that a good work always has to be a job or something, but it can be a good word. That's a good work. It can be encouragement. That's a good work. It could be being there for somebody. That's a good work. Amen? He's called you to that. He cannot use you unless you are committed and you are ready for him to use you. He's not going to do it. True faith in Jesus Christ is what produces good works. It's when you begin to truly believe who you are in Christ. It's when you begin to truly produce good works. You have to understand that it is by faith you are saved and it is by faith that you will grow. You have to understand who you are. It is by faith that we dig into this Bible and we begin to understand his principles and his word. It is so that he can be glorified. Oh God, we say, here I am. What do you want to do with me? You began and you begin to understand that you were created. I mean, really made, fully equipped for good works. You are fully made, fully equipped for good works. That is who you are. You are set apart. For his purposes. You are set apart for his purposes, not yours. That's why that song is such a beautiful song and it tugs at you because here I am. I give up my plans. I give up my dreams. What are your dreams for me, Lord? What are your plans for me, Lord? And we begin to walk in those. I want to say again, the church is the one place where you can truly begin to hone in your skills, where you can truly begin, because this should be the first place that you want to give. This should be the first place. You know why? Because this is your family. Before I give to anybody, I'll give to my family. Before I'll do anything, I'll, get, I'll deal with my family. Does my babies need it before I give? I call my girls. I got all this stuff. I got clothes. Y'all come dig and come get what you want. I call my family. I come together with my family. Are we a family? Then we ought to be practicing good works for one another. There should never be a time when there's any lack in the body. There should never be a time when there's a lack for a teacher, when there's a lack for someone to sing, when there's a lack for someone to give a good word, when there's a lack for somebody to love on somebody's baby, where there's a lack for an usher to be in a place. There should never be a time. We should, in all times and purposes, and I'm sorry, I truly feel that. I'm not sorry. I truly feel this way. Church is really a first place in my life. I am so completely and fully thankful because I know who I was before he saved me. And only I know completely who I was before he saved me. Y'all will never know completely who I was before he saved me. So I know what he saved me from. I know it. I know it. And because of that, 
I want to give back. Because of that, I am committed when no one says thank you. Because of that, I'm here when people tell me they don't like me. Because of that, I'm here when I don't feel good. Because of that, I'm here when I don't feel anointed. Because of that, I'm here when I don't feel like being around people and I don't want to. Because of that, I'm committed to this body. Because of that, and because of that, I can love past my own needs and wants and feelings. Have you matured in Christ? Young people, I love it that you come and babysit, that you give that. I love that you're willing to give up time to be up with the babies. I tell you as young people and parents, don't stop your children from participating and giving and working and doing in the church. Best thing I ever did. Best thing I ever did. Get up, put on your clothes, be going to clean the church today. You're going to come help me. Listen, I'd rather sweep the floors in God's house than be out of it. I'd rather be in his house doing what you consider a low job than be in the devil's house and be a queen. Come on now. Come on. Best thing, because you begin to understand and you begin to see that God loves you and he's working in your life. And you can never outgive him. It may be years before you see a reaping of it. But trust me, you're sowing good seed. And when you sow good seed, there will be a harvest. I promise you. I can promise that. promise that. There's always a harvest. So I challenge you to grow up in Christ. I challenge you to be all that you can be in him. I challenge you to move past being the baby in the house and always needing to moving up and learning the word of God and becoming a nurse in the house. I challenge you. I challenge you. To move past. I challenge you to grow in your faith. He gives you a measure of faith. Then it becomes your responsibility to build on that. He lays you a foundation. What are you going to build on it? What are you going to build on? Are you going to begin to say, here I am. You can use me, Lord. Here I am. I give it all to you. Because listen to me. It is our privilege. It is our responsibility. It is our calling to do good works once we are saved and we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now I want to give you some reference scriptures here, and I, I'm giving you these. If you can, you want to write them down, you can. Um, I, I can try to get a copy for you later if you want it. Uh, just let me know. I'll get that for you because I, I, I read over these, and, and I got so excited last night. I said, oh, I got to go to sleep. I got so excited because I, I went to each one. I was reading through them again, and I just love them. And it's 1 Corinthians 3, 9. I'm just going to paraphrase for you really quickly. We are co-workers. Amen. We are called to work together. We are co-workers. It's not just my responsibility, pastor's responsibility. It's your responsibility also. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We are co-workers. We work together. That means we all have a job. We all have something to do. Amen? Amen? At, at some point, okay? Uh, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. You are a new creation in Christ. Okay, so you need to understand you're a new creation. Philippians 1, 6. 
He who began a good work in you. Oh my God, if he began the work in you, trust me, he's going to work it out in you. All you got to do is yield and lean into it and let him work on you. My God, I love that on the potter's wheel. He may slap you around. He may poke the air bubbles out of you, but he will get you to a vessel that he can use. And I love that because that means he never gives up on me. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Philippians 2.13, God works in you to do of his good pleasure. In other words, when you get busy about his business, he finds good pleasure in you. Don't you want God to have good pleasure in you? Don't you find good pleasure in your kids when they do the right thing and you've taught them something and now they can do it better than you? Don't you love that? I just love that. I love that what I poured into my kids, they're much better. They're further than I've ever gone. They're they're awesome. I love it. And you see them and you say, that gives me great pleasure. That gives me great pleasure. Hallelujah. God gets the same pleasure in you. Hebrews 13, 21. Made perfect in your every good work. That brings a perfection into your life. Come on now. He's working in you. When you begin to do good works, when you begin to sacrifice and you grow up in him, he begins to work in you and you are made perfect in every good work. Come on now. So uh, Matthew five sixteen. let your light shine so they may see your good works. In other words, he's saying he wants people to see your good works. He wants it to be done in the name of Jesus. He wants you out there shining like a beacon so that people can come to you and and they can find rest in what you have to say and leading them to Christ. He wants you to shine. That's how he gets glory is when you shine. When you shine and you stand up and you are who God called you to be, he gets glory. Oh, come on now. You're here for a purpose. He created you for a purpose. My God, I love that. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Sufficiency to abound in every good work. So don't tell me you don't have it because you do, because he said you have sufficiency. He has put sufficiency in you to do every good work. Oh, come on. He put it in you. (laughs) He's working it in you. Colossians 1.10. Walk worthy, being fruitful in every good work. And in other words, walk worthy. You are worthy. Walk in it. Be fruitful. Have good fruit that people want to enjoy. I hate getting a piece of fruit and it's sour or it has no taste to it. You spend money on it, it makes you mad. You want a peach to taste like a peach and an apple to taste like an apple and an orange not to just taste like water but an orange. Come on. Bear fruit. Amen. 2 Timothy 3.17 Men of God thoroughly equipped for every good work. Be men of God, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's a challenge to you. Titus 2.7, show yourself to be a pattern of good work. Do you have a pattern in your life? Can people follow that pattern when you make a dress, if you've ever sewn, if you've ever had to put something together, there's a pattern that you have to follow. If you follow the pattern, you get good results. If you do not follow the pattern, it doesn't look quite right. Are you a pattern that people can follow? Be a pattern of good works. Titus 2.14. Jesus gave himself for a people to be eager, to be eager to do good works. In other words, they call you a peculiar people. Because people will say, what you going on at that church for? Why are you giving so much time to that church? I'm a peculiar person. You will never really understand it because you're in the world. You'll never understand the joy that comes from serving in God's house. You'll never understand what it's like to be his child. You call me peculiar if you want to. Amen. But God loves me, and I love his people, and I love his house, and I love being in it, and I love working in it, and I love doing what he's called me to do. Oh, my God. 
and Hebrews 10:24, and this is what we should be doing with one another. Provoke one another to good works. Encourage one another to good works. Anything that you have a passion about, or if you see anything going on in church that bothers you, then that's probably the place that God wants you to get involved. Mm-hmm. That's probably where God wants your hand to get busy. And if it's not open and it's not available to you right away, then find something else to get your hands busy about. Because I tell you what, when people start watching you and they see that, number one, you are committed and you're diligent and you do it with great joy, doors will open for you. Doors will open for you. I did not start where God had for me to end. I did not start in the place that he had for me, in my destiny. I didn't start there. But I started somewhere. And at that point, I began to say, hey, come on to church with me. Come on with me. You, gotta, you, you have to understand this feeling that I have now. It's great. It never goes away. It's so cool. You, know? you, 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 have, to, you have to understand what's going on. Come on and go to church with me. Come on, because it'll help you. It'll teach you. Come on. And, and, and then when I got him in church, I said, come on, don't you want to go teach the kids with me? Come on. I pull them in the classroom with me and start teaching them how to teach. I did. No, come, come on, come on, I stand out there with her. Come on, come on, no, girl, you raise your hands up and praise the Lord. It's okay, you can do that. Come on, put your hand. Thank God, you need to be raising your hands, child. Love the Lord. Come on, you want to come help me do this? You want to come help me? I'm going over to church. Just come help me. Provoking one another to good works. Mentoring one another. Pulling one another in. Making it a joy. Provoking one another to good works. And so, it all boils back down to the first message. Are you a living epistle to be read by men? Do they see fear in you? Do they see a lack of commitment in you? Do they see anger and hurt and brokenness all the time in you? Or do they see a person who has been saved by grace and that tells them, no, I don't have to, like some religions tell you, if you don't go out and you don't hand out these flyers and if you don't give these books away and if you don't do this and if you don't do that, you won't go to heaven. No, I'm going to heaven. I don't have to do anything but accept Christ. I don't have to, but I want to. I want to. Is your life a living epistle? So I'm challenging you. Challenging you. Don't be wrong. I love you if you never do anything. still love you. I'll just get all the benefit of, of working and being where God has predestined me to be. And I'll enjoy my life to the fullest. I'll enjoy it. And I am enjoying it. Because I love being in this place. I love being in his house. I love working with his people. I love my father with everything in me. I love him. Love him. And I want to be like him. I want to be like him. So I provoke you this morning. Have faith in Christ. Know who you are in him. Access your benefits. And get busy. Get busy, because this house should always be full to capacity, because we are provoking one another in love to do good works. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, I praise you. I thank you this morning. I thank you, Father, this morning for every beautiful face in this house for every soul in this house today, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we are a family. Many different personalities, 
many different walks in life, but Lord, you've brought us together and you've called us your own. And so, Lord, I ask you, Father, to just uh, pour out a fresh love on this house, Lord. Pour out a, a fresh anointing on your people, Father God. I, I bind any condemnation and any guilt attaching itself to anybody in this house this morning. I thank you, Lord, that when they leave here, that all that they are consumed by is that your great love, your great compassion, and that you have a purpose and a plan for their life, Father. I thank you, Father, for that one that is asking, well, God, uh, what do you want me to do? Father, I thank you for opening up their mind and their heart and those that are around them and begin to direct them to their path, Father God, that they would walk therein and that you would get glory, Lord. Father, I praise you and I thank you. I pray traveling mercy over your people. I release ministering angels in camp round about your people. Oh, Holy Spirit, encourage them this week. Speak to them this week, Father. Bless them, Lord, because they came to your house this morning to magnify and to glorify you, Jesus, to come in one accord to lift up your name, to be taught, Father God, that we could walk therein. And so, Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor this day. And we say thank you, Father, for choosing us to be in your family, that we would be a living epistle, that we would know who we are really, that you gave us benefits, and that we are created unto good works in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to somebody and tell them I was created for good works. Amen. I love you guys. You're dismissed. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Have a great, great Sunday and an awesome week. Amen. Amen.